Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 1056 of the Juice Box Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'll be speaking with Holly. She's 47 years old and has had type 1 diabetes since she was 7. Holly is a mother, a wife, and a med school professor. She even has a husband with a really interesting story. So get comfortable, and remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Would you like to save 40% off of comfortable items like joggers, hoodies, sheets, and towels? Go to CozyEarth.com and use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% off of your entire order. And don't forget the private Facebook group, Juice Box Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes, a group with now 43,000 people in it. Someone in there just like you or someone you can help. It's a wonderful community. You should go check it out. Last little reminder, the Juice Box Podcast Pro Tip Series for Type 1 Diabetes is completely remastered and available at episode 1000 through episode 1026. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by AG1. You can have the same delicious drink that I enjoy every morning by going to drinkag1.com slash juice box. With your first order, expect a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Get your foundational nutrition at drinkag1.com slash juice box. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. My name is Holly Whitman. I am a mom of two amazing kids. They are 16 and 11. I'm a scientist and a professor in the med school at, here in Quebec City, Canada. And I've lived with type 1 since the age of 7, and I'm now 47. 7 to 40 years. Yep. Okay. I hope you appreciate I aged on purpose to make the math easier for you. Thank you. Uh, that's why we okay. waited for a birthday to come. Because if you would have been like I was, I was diagnosed at seven, and I'm, and I'm 46. I would have been like, oh God, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me again, what do you do for a living? I'm a professor. Okay. Your kids have any autoimmune stuff? No. No. Just me. Lucky you. Okay. Uh, just type one, or do you have something else? I also have Hashimoto's. Hmm. Taking T four. Does that do it for you? You have good energy? Yeah, it seems to. Yeah, energy's good, all that stuff? Yeah. Cool. All right. Have you been Canadian your whole life? Canadian my whole life. Okay. So I've lived other places. But you were born there. I was born here. I've moved around a bit. I'm not from Quebec originally. You can tell from my accent. Mm, it's okay. Uh, born in Canada. All right. Where do we want to start? I've been. I haven't done this in ten days. It's up to you. I, I just. You're out of practice. I just got back from vacation, and I was like, "Well, that's a laugh. We know a lot about her. We're good now." <laughs> <laughs> All right, podcast over. Yeah. Today was very. Efficient. Other people have diabetes. Even scientist people in Quebec. Sometimes scientist people have diabetes too. <laughs> so uh, I guess let, let's just go to the beginning for first. Yeah. So what what do you remember, if anything, about your diagnosis? I remember my mom crying a lot. 
and comforting her. And then I was hospitalized for a month. Okay. Which was a long time even then, I think. Wait, a month? Like A month. I lived in the hospital for a month. Do you recall why? So I what I was told was that they had to stabilize me. Mm-hmm. So their stabilizing techniques don't work that well. I guess not. <laughs> I'm 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 just checking very quickly. It's 2023 right now. And yeah, if I yeah, go back 40 years, it was 83. Okay. Yeah. Eh, all right. Even back then though, that was a long time. Like I've talked to a lot of other people who've been who were diagnosed around the same time or Yeah. A month was a long time. No, no, so. for sure. Maybe your parents were like, this is amazing. Can you keep her longer, please? <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't know, but the kid's a pain. <laughs> so, maybe, maybe. Who knows? I see your dad greasing palms. She needs to be here another week, don't you think? <laughs> we can't deal with this at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly yeah. too. Yeah, three more days. Do you remember anything about your care? I remember that, I mean, in terms of, in terms of what I was taking, do you mean? Yeah, and how your family handled yeah. it. So I remember I started with either one or two needles a day. I remember going to two. I remember I was on two very shortly afterwards, but I don't remember if I started on two or I started on one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like the classic, you know, beef and pork, cloudy and clear. I remember testing my urine. Yeah. That was really fun. The test tubes in the bathroom and they would, you know, you would drop in. One of them took two drops of urine and five drops of water. And one of them took five drops of urine and 10 drops of water. And then you drop in the tablet and they fizz and they change colors and you compare them to the chart. Was that clinitest? Is that what I that believe, was called? So the clinitest was the strips and they came late. I believe it might've been clinitest. I don't know. I was okay. seven. No, no, I know. I'm, I'm amazed that you remember that much of it. So then you're, are you one shot a day or two? How do they start I you? Think it, I think I started with two because I definitely remember doing, you know, the the breakfast shot. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, 45 minutes before breakfast and then the supper shot, which was about 45 minutes before supper. Okay. All right. Measurements of your health. Any idea what they were looking for? Nothing. <laughs> I went to the hospital every three months. They took some blood. That's all I know. Okay. And A1C wasn't even like, you know, when was A1C developed? Wasn't it like 79 or something like that? So they may not have even had it. I grew up in Saskatchewan. Oh, oh yeah. Just north of north of North Dakota and Montana, for anyone who mm-hmm. is less less familiar with Canadian geography. I just like that um I like for people to hear that there was no measurement. Like your measurement of health was what, standing up? I don't know. Yeah, right? She's alive. We well, did it. Come back I in mean, three to months. Be fair. I wasn't, you know, I was a little kid. So they might have been telling my parents more than that. Mm. This is not a conversation I would ever have with my parents. So. Okay. So you did not talk about diabetes with your parents as a child? Oh, I mean, in terms of like, how am I doing? Yeah. Uh, no, we talked about that. I mean, I would not have this conversation now. Oh. We would never talk about it. Why, why do you think that is? Because, I mean, my mom and I don't talk much anyway. And my dad basically left it to my mom. And then she left him when I was eight. And then he moved back to Europe when I was 13. So he wasn't really involved. All right. She left him. That's why we don't talk to her. Ah, no. We had a. You don't have to tell me. I love my mom. Sure. I love my mom. So this is not a therapy session, right? Right. But we had a difficult conversation a couple of years ago and haven't really. Come oh. back together on that. Oh, I see. So one of you, doesn't matter who, 
brought up something. I'm going to guess it was you. You brought up something that had been bothering you your whole life and it didn't land well. When you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready-to-use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with pheochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. We wanted her to test for COVID. Oh. And she did, and we thought it was fine. And then the last night of our visit there, she got really upset at me about the fact that she had to test for COVID. That's it? Yeah. and But it's... So when I talk to people who don't understand diabetes, mm-hmm. the way I explain this is my, my sister has asthma and was allergic to cigarette smoke. It was always said, you know, she shouldn't be around smoke. Yeah. My mom smoked all the time. Sure. In the car, in the house, all that sort of stuff. So take that same attitude, map it to diabetes. That's sort of what I got. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know. My sister can't be history. my sister can't be around cigarette smoke and she's like, why not? <laughs> I'm fine. I, mean, I think she tried. She yeah. tried to quit right. and she did succeed at one point for anyway. It's complicated. If and I, I lived think- in Saskatchewan, I'd do heroin, just so you know. <laughs> Because it sounds cold, and I would, it's very cold in yeah, winter for no, sure. No, well, for sure. You have to plug in your car to keep it warm, not because it's an electric car. So it will start again. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, this is back in the day, pre-electric cars. Yeah. So there's heaters on the engine block, and you'd plug Correct. it in to keep the oil from becoming hard. It's, Correct. Yeah, heroin right into a vein. <laughs> That's what I'd do. I'd be like, I got to get out of here, or I'd warm that car up and drive south until I did. It's that really thing. sunny though. What the hell does that mean? Because you know how you know how in places. So when I lived in Toronto for a while, Toronto winters are technically warmer than Saskatchewan, and I think New Jersey's pretty similar to Toronto, right? I mean, I, so it's, okay. it's sort of like it's it's cold and gray and slushy, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Whereas in Saskatchewan, it's cold, but it's blue and bright and sunny. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. I'd get the hell out of there in two seconds. <laughs> um, okay, so oh, that's interesting. I was seven. You Where were, was I supposed to go? I don't know. I mean, you were sure. making better decisions than your mom. You should have tried it and saw what I was don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so okay. So you're not nearly the first person I've spoken to who who's had like a, a real family remolding around COVID. Like very interesting. Like it's not uncommon at all. There's a woman I wish I, she'd never come on here, but her family like like just disintegrated over it. Like just. You know, and it wasn't like in your thing's really simple. It's not like your mom was like, I don't think COVID's real. And you're like, I think it is. It wasn't even that argument. It was like, yeah. I just need you to put a swab in your nose to make sure I'm not going to get COVID because I have diabetes. Yeah. And that pissed her off enough. How old is she? Yeah. 70. Okay. She's 70. Yeah, she would have been 69 when, or 68 when this happened. When this happened? I'm just trying to She's figure out. She's never going to change. Yeah. You know, she... I, I was trying to figure out why she won't come back around. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. No, it was um, my kids were going to visit her and my youngest was still too young for vaccines. Mm -hmm. And we know that my eldest does not have the genes for type one or at least the, you know, the common um, DHLA um, subtypes that are associated with type one because he was enrolled in trigger. Okay. um, He was a newborn. Mm -hmm. But my youngest 
had never been tested. I mean, Trigger wasn't Trigger wasn't running at that time. So you were basically saying to your mom, listen, I don't want my kid to get COVID and then end up this kicking a diabetes thing in. So just stick this swab in your nose and let's check to make sure you don't have it. Did you pay for the test? No. <laughs> she she was out the 12 bucks, you're saying. Maybe that was the problem. That she did bring that up. Real oh, stop. <laughs> did she really? Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> That's great. I just imagine yeah. in her mind, she's like, My cigarette smoking didn't hurt the girl like they said it was going to. <laughs> There's no way that this could happen. Uh wow, that's fascinating. All right. Anyway, thanks for telling yeah. me that. That was great. You woke me right back up again. I know how to make the podcast again. <laughs> so <laughs> All right, so you haven't spoken to your mom in a while. Yeah, I'm sad about it actually. Like it's. Oh no, I would imagine. Do you want to talk? Do you want to talk more about it? Go ahead. No, 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 no. (laughs) Okay, I didn't know if you wanted to unburden. Unless, unless you want me to send you a copay afterwards. (laughs) I wish people would send me forty dollars after I made a podcast with them, but it hasn't Uh happened yet. Um, Okay, so you managed the way you did for how long? Like, when did you go to MDI? Every day that I wake up. I drink AG1. AG1, of course, is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Drink AG1.com slash juice box. I drink AG1 every morning. Just a cold glass of water and a scoop of delicious AG1. Mix it up and drink it down. It's the perfect start to my day. I gave AG1 a try initially because I was tired of taking so many vitamins and supplements and I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional basis. I wanted better gut health. I wanted a boost of energy, and I hated taking all those pills and vitamins. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 with my link and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com slash juicebox. That's drinkag1.com slash juicebox. Check it out. There's links in the show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. So what do you count as MDI? Like is two, does two needles count? Uh, no. I think, right. I think so I is, moved. Yeah. So that was NPH. Right. When I was about, so I got my, and then I got my first. So here, here are the things I remember. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm just going to guess about how old I was. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I remember getting a blood glucose meter around age 11. Okay. Right. That was the big brick. Yeah. Super or you would put the put a big drop of blood on and blot it and wait 60 seconds and then close the meter. Remember that one? Um, human synthetic insulins. That was a big change. Um, and I think I was, I would have been about 13, 14, 15 around there. That's you getting Lantus then? No, Lantus no? did not come until much later. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, oh. I actually never even, I never even got a... a I never even took Lantus because um, I moved to a pump in 2004. You went right to a pump. And yeah, yeah. you're in Canada. I forgot. So yeah, Lantus yeah. was later coming here. So, mm-hmm. okay. so yeah, I, but I'd moved off of NPH onto, I took Lente, Ultralite. N- NPH is terrible. It was just terrible. And so I tried everything else. Lente and Ultralente were the two. How was it not helpful day to day? Like what did NPH not allow for you? Um, it's just really variable in terms of how it absorbs. You never really know when that peak's going to happen, you yeah. know, and I've never needed a lot of insulin. So small variations were always, would just like kick my behind. You think you were low a lot as a child? 
I was, I, there was a lot of glucagon in my childhood. Really? Like, like like seizures and. I don't know if I had a lot of seizures. I know I did have one seizure because I was hospitalized for that, but I would wake up. It'd be about usually about 1030. I'd had glucagon and I was barfing. Wow. And I would barf all day and miss the whole day of school. And this was common for you. Common. Wow. Um, You mentioned in your note that you don't feel your lows. Is that still? No. That's still the case? That is still the case. How? At what age did you lose the ability to feel them? So it was about 20 years in. So I would have been about 27-ish. Okay. But it's tough to say when it started. You know, I have, have, it's funny, my husband and I were talking about this the other day, because there was one point when I sort of realized I'm like this, something, something weird is going on. We were on a canoeing trip and we had to get across a lake. Mm. It was really windy. It was bad weather. It was, it was in May and it was snowing and it was just, we were like, what are we doing out canoeing in May? And we had to get across this lake. And so we're just paddling. And all of a sudden I am crashing low and I didn't feel it coming at all. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you're in a canoe. I can't get up and go get my bag or anything like that. But I always had those, those gels mm-hmm. tucked in a pocket of my life jacket. And you know, the cherry gels, and they don't even claim to be delicious. They just say pleasant cherry flavor. <laughs> That's the level to which they aspire. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to go for not horrible here and see yeah. what we see what we can do. You'll be able to choke it down. That'd be a better marketing plan if it just said it doesn't taste horrible. Better than pleasant, actually. Also, pleasant. I, I'm not sure if people are paying attention to what level, but uh, this lady lives in a place where it snows in May. <laughs> So I don't know why you would stay there. Again, that's ridiculous. There are flowers and green grass in May here. Do you have a car? It, it was not normal <laughs> that it snowed in May. We were not expecting the snow on that oh, particular Oh, okay. Trip. All right, all right. All right, that's fair enough. So what do you, so you do the gel? Does it actually stop that or is your... Yeah, it worked. I, I mean, obviously I survived, right? Yeah, but I mean, but... is somebody paddling furiously to get you to a bag? I don't recall. Like, I just remember squeezing the gel in, like rubbing it in my cheek Mm -hmm. and then, you know, continuing to paddle. You just sort of keep going. Mainly, I mean, I can still function physically when I'm low. It's the cognitive stuff that goes. The cognitive function. Were you married at that point? We were not married. No. But we were, we were, I think we were engaged at that point. Yeah. That's how you know he likes you when that's over. Really? Yeah. You're like, wow, he's, he didn't just get in the car and drive away. I mean, some he didn't people... have a driver's license at that point, so you know. Oh, because Saskatchewan, why would you need that? Right? He grew up on a commune. What the hell? Where? In Ontario. They they have that in Canada? Oh yeah. How is he your is he your age? Did you rob the cradle? What's going on? No, he's so he's 50, I'm 47. Oh, okay. He was, he was a little older than you. He didn't have a license in his late twenties. What kind of commune was it, Weed? No, it was <laughs> That would have been great. They probably would have survived. Um, <laughs> you know, they sold organic food, and the kids had to do all the weeding. Mm-hmm. So his so, parents were th- his parents were hippies. I, I mean, I think they were wannabe hippies. It was a religious commune. Oh, zealots! Gotcha. Did they wear um, deodorant? I don't know. Never you, asked. You would. They wear deodorant now. You were dating him. Did Did he wear deodorant? He did. All right. Okay. Uh-huh. I didn't think Canada made that stuff. 
What hippies? Yeah, hippies. <laughs> like so there's Canadian I hippies. Where the, what happens? So it was if we a Google religious that? group. Okay. That, go, that does. They did have sites around the world. Do you not want to tell me what it was called? Um, it was called the Divine Emiss- Emissaries of the Divine Light. All right, hold on. First, I'm Googling Canadian hippies. <laughs> they had them. Okay. So you guys oh, yeah. got that too. All right, now, hold on. Yeah, yeah. The what of the what light? Emissaries of Divine Light. I don't know if it's still, I, I believe they might still have one site that is still in existence. One or two. Wow. I know they had one. So I know he lived for a while in Colorado as well. They're on the web. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you've got a website, you're real. Um, yeah. Is that something he Com- would... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, Commune, I mean, he's amazing. And I do think that there's something to be said for growing up with the idea of we're all in this together. Yeah. No, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, just as long as the leader doesn't try to touch you weird or something. Agreed. Agreed. Are his parents alive? I'm sorry. This is the wrong. Yeah. 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 yeah they're fantastic. And they don't do stuff like this any longer, but they're just really lovely people. They're just really lovely people. Huh. They're not together. His dad, um, his dad was actually one of the last people who stayed in the location where my husband grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and his mom met her current partner there and they've been together for 30 years. Wow. Yeah. So he, his mom and dad, they just traded off and she went a different way and he stayed behind mm-hmm. trying to keep yeah. the ship from going down. I guess. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, very weird. I love this podcast. I don't know why. <laughs> Every time somebody says something, I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, very cool. don't you think, I mean, so many people have such, I mean, I think most people don't think their own life is that interesting. But when you listen to stories about people's lives, so many people have these interesting stories. Oh, yeah. You're all out of your mind if you don't think your lives are interesting. You're just not asking <laughs> the right questions. That's all. I guess. Yeah. All right. So... Where did this start? Oh, your hypo unawareness <laughs> in the middle of a canoe in May in the snow. I guess my question is like, what are the implications of that as an adult? Oh, it may, it may, the main implication for me is it makes it difficult to drive. Okay. Because right? out of nowhere, you're just too low to function in your head. Yeah. 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 Well, because, so I ended up, um, so I, I, ha- I got a Dexcom very early. They weren't available yet in Canada. But I was working in the U.S. I was doing my postdoc at the University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, because I have a sensor, I'm able to do things like drive. But prior to that, it was really scary. Yeah. Right. And I would, you know, always test before I drive. And then I would pull over at least once an hour to test and da, 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 da. So. Wow. Did you ever have trouble? Um, No, because I followed the rules. You were so ahead of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, How does it. So it, it impacts that way. Is it, yeah. this is going to sound strange. Is it kind of nice? Like when you hear other people talk about being dizzy at 65 and stuff like that, are you kind of oh, like, Oh no, I still get, Oh, you still, still have incredibly all that. Unpleasant. Oh. I just have no warning that it's coming. I see. Okay. It's okay. more like I, so it's not that I don't feel any low ever, although I've been incredibly low and just feeling nothing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I think the lowest I've ever been and just you know i my dexcom's going bananas and i feel fine would have been about you know well around two so 36 wow yeah I, um, I mean that's low but i still do get lows still do impact me and particularly i get really sad do you cry 
sometimes. So, and for but reasons- mostly it's just like everything sucks for three or four hours after I've been low. Oh, Tom, uh, are you serious? So you, yeah, yeah. you get a low, even like, like how low do you have to get before the world's not good for hours afterwards? It's not really a number. It doesn't seem to be tied to a particular number, I see. but it happens with some frequency. And I was already pretty motivated to avoid lows, mm-hmm. but that is definitely an additional motivator. Oh, that's interesting. So you, now what's the level of sadness? Are you unable oh, to like, function? Oh, like really sad. Do you like just lay around in a pile or? No, I keep going because uh, I have a life and I have to do stuff. Yeah. But I'm I'm very much aware that I am sucking it up. And then I'm going to be fine in four hours. And these thoughts that I'm having are just the low. Everything's going to be okay. Wow. So, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's not just like, it's not like a feeling of just like doom or dread or unhappiness. It's yeah. total despondency. Yeah. Like and it touches stuff. And it touches things. Yes. It, it, meaning that just because you know it's happening because of the low, you can't say, I know this lamp is pretty and I'm sitting here thinking about throwing it away because I'm so sad that I bought this lamp. Like there's no distinction in there. No, I am very, so I have the meta thought that I am aware of what's happening. Mm -hmm. I'm aware that it's happening because I'm low and that I'm going to be okay, but I'm still feeling the feeling. Wow. That's bizarre. Does it impact relationships? Like, do you, is like, do we know we don't talk about stuff during that time? So I do request that I not be asked to make decisions when I'm low. Okay. Because you'll follow the feeling. More, I have real difficulty making choices. That's crazy. Like, it's just, it feels impossible to decide anything. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, like you have dread, like real, like, despondent feelings. And that's something? Are you ever afraid you'll hurt yourself during it? No. 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 I have responsibilities to my family. Yeah, I mean, like, could you, like, could you, like, tumble, like, I don't know, there's there's no um, world peace, I wish there was more food, why aren't there more communes where people make food, and then you're up on the roof looking down at the ground, like, could it go that quickly, or no? No, I don't think so. I think, like, because I am aware of what's happening as it is happening, it's just, it's really unpleasant, even though I know why it's happening and that it's going to stop. Yeah, wow, that's really interesting. No one's ever said that before. You're on a first. I don't think anybody's had a oh. low on a rowboat, married a guy who grew up in a commune, or described sadness after being low. Like, that's really like, chill. What else are you going to say? I don't know. <laughs> Let's find out. How much time do you got? Yeah, it's a good question. I have yeah. a I have a meeting later this afternoon where I have to listen to the people that help my mom where she lives describe why they didn't help her again. And then I get to sit there and try to be. So my wife tells me I have to be polite during these conversations because I'll put the people off and then it'll make them harder for them to help my mom. I want to hold them accountable and mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm not good at holding them accountable with pleasant words. Like outside you of think like, there's a gender like, element there though. I think it's, I think it's cause they tried to kill my mommy and I'm not, I'm not okay with yeah, that. Yeah. And on the podcast, it's interesting. Like there's a, there's a dynamic at play that, most of you aren't aware of, but like, I'm a really direct person. And like, if, if I was in charge of a group of 20 people in a, in a, in a business situation, we would be a very effective group of 21 people. If I worked in that group of 20 people, I would be a despised human being and nobody would like me. (laughs) So my wife's like, there's no way you could have a real job. She's like, people would fire you immediately. And I was saying, but that's why the podcast works so well. I was like, because I tell myself what to do, and then I do it. And then and, you do it. Yeah, that's right. And and, and she's like, yeah, not everybody does the thing at their job that they're supposed to do. Yeah. 
And I'm like, so when they don't do it, it's not okay for me to point out to them that they're not doing it? She goes, no, we have to speak nicely where they know we know that they're not doing it, but we don't make them feel bad about it. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> I was like, because I would just like to tell them, do your fucking job. <laughs> so I was like, is that not okay? So anyway. So I might not say do your fucking job, <laughs> but I do think, so I do, I suspect, I, I'd be curious for your, uh, to hear your wife's perspective on this, mm-hmm. but I'm willing to bet that you could get away with saying things that she probably can't. Because of the gender the gender dynamics there. Well, I tried that the last... men are allowed to be forceful in ways that women aren't. I understand your point. I also think that it's... I think that there's also an aspect in my regular life that sometimes I have to be cognizant about that doesn't exist, and which is that here, I am a... Like, when you come to record with me, you trust me already. Like, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. so I'm kind of the leader of the... Of, of the like I'm the leader of the commune and um <laughs> and when I tell you to take off your pants it's for Jesus you don't question it <laughs> no you only get to tell me to weed the garden yeah oh okay sure and then um <laughs> and what job I get to do and those sorts of things what guy I can hand my wife off to if she's leaving pretty much yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah, yeah which sister wife I'm gonna be friends with you know <laughs> I I just have this like so I'm accustomed to being a trusted source in the situation and then you get into the real world where like you're in a room with four people who are like i don't know what your stupid podcast is about buddy and i have no idea who you are and i forget that like everyone's not just going to be thrilled that i'm there (laughs) yeah because i do live a portion of my life where when i show up people are like it's the guy and i'm like it is it's me and like and like and we're all good and i am a very like i am a very pleasant person but i am also direct to the point of i think it would surprise people that Listen, that if you if you were to screw me in my own life, I wouldn't care about how you felt in our altercation or, or in our. But but when I'm interviewing, I think people, that's pretty clear. Oh, I don't it? think people should be surprised. Okay, I good. would not be surprised. Okay, but in this, I'm always coming from the perspective of like, tell me more. Why is that? Like, I'm interv- oh, yeah, yeah. I'm interviewing more because if I just said everything I was thinking, I guess these interviews would be like, like I don't. How do I put this? You're getting like 23% of me on the podcast. And Hopefully you, the best 23%. You would not enjoy the whole 100% because uh-huh. I, I would just be like, how the hell did you get in that boat without something to help yourself? <laughs> what, it was in the pocket of my life jacket. Yeah, There'd be more of me going, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? Very responsible. <laughs> there'd be more of me on the podcast going, did you consider thinking? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> And, and stuff like that. So it, little bits of that intermingled in the conversations is actually like people like it and it's helpful because I am yeah. direct, right? But when I but when you don't do a thing you're supposed to do with my mom's care and she ends up in the hospital and and literally almost dies, oh and gosh. then we get back, she somehow makes her way through it, and we're sitting in a meeting trying to figure out how to not let this happen again. And the answer is, if you did your job, it wouldn't have happened. And then they get on and say, you know what? We needed a plan. And I said, you had a plan. You didn't follow it. And they said, yeah, but we're going to make a new plan. And I said, are you going to follow the new plan? And they were like, well, what we, and they just kept pushing the idea of we need a plan. And I started off very nicely. I remind everybody who was on the call that when it started, I was pleasant. But about the third time that they insisted that the problem wasn't them, it was that the plan wasn't right. 
I said, no, you, you guys have to stop. I was like, that's, that's not what happened here. And I just am not good. I've said this in the podcast. I am not good at sitting in a room where you're lying to me and I know it, and I'm lying to you and you know it. I just, I can't do that. So in today's meeting, I've been told just to sit there very quietly. <laughs> so I'm going to be like the heavy in the room. Like, imagine we're in a room collecting money from your gambling debts. And you say, who's the guy in the corner? Because you think the guy in the corner is going to break your hand. I, I'm going to play that part today. I'm just going to say hello to everybody and then not say anything. And then all the nice people in my family are going to nice it up for me. Anyway. Good luck to them. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Because I I'm just. sorry that happened. That sucks. Oh, it was terrible. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, she was in the hospital, delirious, throwing things, not herself. Minute to minute, didn't remember what happened a minute before. You know, the first four days in the hospital, they're, they're like, you know, my, my brothers and I got together and talked about her funeral arrangements like like that. And then I'm on a call with somebody who's like, well, she's great. I'm like, yes, but I still had to get on a call with my brothers and decide if my mom was going to be cremated or buried. And now we're all going to sit here and pretend that it's all fine. We'll make a new plan. So anyway, I yelled at them a lot and got things in line. That that call did not go well from that point, from their yeah. perspective. And at the end, I they were like, well, what do you want to do? And I said, no, I, I'm not in charge. Like, what do you want to do? Like, I don't, I said, I said, actually, I think what I said was, do you, do I ask you to come to my job and do it for me? And they were like, what? And I'm like, I'm not doing your job. You do your job. That's all I want from you. You do your job. Don't kill my mom. At one point, my brother reminded me. So my mom got a UTI. Okay. She's 80 and almost killed her. Yeah. Yeah. My brother reminds me that at some point during the conversation with the the people, he says, Scott, you told them the entire story of mom's life in 35 seconds leading up to her beating cancer last year and then said, if my fucking mom dies from her ass being dirty, I'm not sure how well I'm going to handle that. I, and there was a pause and he said, and then he goes, and then you said, so cancer couldn't kill her, but you guys are going to. And uh, anyway, my wife says, I can't say that in meetings with people. So she I, can I would, t I think your wife is correct. <laughs> But that is probably I, probably not going to engender feelings of, hey, let's go the extra mile for this family. I thought they would just do it out of fear. And by the way, they did for three weeks. For okay. three weeks, they did what they were supposed to do. And do you know why we're having this meeting again? Because they stopped doing what they were supposed to do. And my mom got... That was only found out because we were paying attention very, very closely yeah. at this time. Because we know... It's their accreditation. I mean, it's a state... It's a facility that is, you know, accredited by the state and, you know, there's actually a, if I were, if I, I mean, I, not yeah. a lawyer, right. And not in that situation, don't even know what state it is, but you know, that is usually what they're afraid of. They're not afraid of individuals. They're afraid of the accreditation board. Yeah. One woman in the call, I remember her saying, no one's ever spoken to me like this before. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. This is the first time I've had to deal with someone trying to kill my mom. Am I not being polite enough? It, I didn't, it would have made a great podcast, Holly, was not a great personal meeting between caregivers and family. <laughs> I lost my temper. And um, anyway, I, I will not apologize. Point being, we got off on a tangent. I didn't mean to do that. Um, okay, so you are. Isn't your whole podcast about tangents? Yeah, but I, I like to pretend that that's not what it is. 
No? Okay. <laughs> I, I act like depends. this is part of the diabetes. This is the shtick. I'm like, oh, how did we get down this road? You want to yeah. know the truth? Everyone listening, here's the truth. You can't make an entertaining podcast about diabetes completely. <laughs> Doesn't work. That's why I like yours. Thank it's you. very funny. Thank you very much. Why am I reading here that you dropped out of a school? What school? Uh, I dropped out of university and and um, went to um, work on a sailboat. All right. So now you're the second person that's worked on a sailboat on the podcast. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. One oh, girl. I missed the first one. I thought I. I'll find it for you. This girl, it happened so long ago. She found it in a magazine. Oh, she went to school on a sailboat. I remember that one. Right, right. And they took her to the Bahamas. Like, I think she flew to the Bahamas and then came back up the coast or something like that. And like her doctor changed her insulin during the the trip. And they they mailed it to a port where they knew she was crazy stuff like that. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah. So no, mine was mine was not that organized. I I just I needed to I needed a break. I'd been I'd spent two years at university in um, at Queens, um, which will mean something to people in Canada, but it's this very WASPy school, and I worked there both summers too. So I hadn't left this college town for two years. Needed to do something different, mm. um, and I also needed to make money, so so I could keep going to school. So I dropped out planning to come back and I did end up coming back, although it was mainly because I broke my ankle. And so I had to go back to school. Whereas if I hadn't broken my ankle, I probably would have taken the job I was offered to crew in the South Pacific. And then I would be having a very different life. Wow. Instead, you came back and finished what degree? Uh, My first degree, my undergrad degree was in engineering, in math and mechanical engineering. And then I worked as an engineer for a while. Okay. And then went back to grad school and got a um, got funding basically to do some work in health related to health. Um, I was still in engineering, but I was doing more um, human computer interaction and then did a postdoc in social science and health. And now I'm faculty in a med school. Wow. Tell me what the allure of the boat was that almost got you to leave all those impressive things that you just said. Oh, well, they're impressive because they're because of the way our society is structured, but I mean, there are, I don't know, boats are fun. Well, Going places is fun. Yeah, for, forget what society thinks though. Like you were yeah. on your way to being like a, like I'm looking at you now, you seem safe indoors, yeah. you know, your yeah. hair's been washed. You're having a decent life is what I'm saying. And, and, yes. and, and yes. you were, but very grateful. But if you, you think if you didn't break your ankle, you would have just taken a different job and gone on a completely Probably. different path. Probably. It wasn't drugs. It was just boys. Was it nothing? It was just the thing. You liked it. I just liked it. Yeah. So uh, long- I wanted to go somewhere. I wanted to be somewhere else. So how long did you do it for before your ankle? So I was on the boat. So I I had a period of time where I was working at a manufacturing plant to make more money. And then we left for Florida where the boat was dry docked. I think in December. Mm-hmm. And then I broke my ankle in, it was, it was about four, four or five months. Okay. All right. So it was still a romantic notion. You were, hadn't been there yeah. that long. Maybe yeah. two years into it, you would have been like, okay. I, I want to be an engineer. Well, I didn't want to work for that. I didn't want to work on that boat for very long. Oh, a boat, a bigger, nicer, happier experience. No, it? just different, different captain. Oh, what's that? Is that politics? Is it? So the captain of the boat, so the boat that I was working on was my, my, um, I was first mate and cook 
And so I did everything that the captain didn't want to do. It was a little 47 foot um, sailboat and he would have his friends come and they would stay on board for two weeks at a time and they would pay enough just to cover sort of costs, food, fuel, you know, my pathetic salary, stuff Mm. like that. Um, And he was from East Germany. He had defected um, and moved to Canada and made a bunch of money in real estate and was very particular. And so he would do things like, you know, call me over after I'd cleaned the, cleaned this, the, the sole. So the floor inside the boat and with, he was inspecting it with a flashlight and he would show me the spots that I'd missed. Oh, lovely. So I used to do a graphic design for a guy who would spend the first 27 days of the month brainstorming, which we later learned meant drinking during the day. And then he would spend the last 72 hours standing over my shoulder, like watching me work so that I'd meet his deadline. And uh, I'm good under pressure because of that. Oh, well, you know, skills. But it was was unpleasant. I got him fired. Did I ever tell that story on here? I don't know. Oh, it's such a good story. If I never told that story, somebody write me a note because I'll tell it to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he screwed me, and I uh, I screwed him back. So, okay. Yeah, sort of like the meeting at that thing. It probably wasn't smart of him to push me the rest of the way. Anyway, not the point. Uh, okay, so you end up back at school, and yep. now you. I mean, what what is your? I guess tell me a little bit about your job right now. My current job. Or the one that talks directly to the other thing you want to talk about, which you said to me in your note that you'd like, uh, it says getting doctors to provide better diabetes care. I have some academic work on this, um, and I have some funny stories personally. So, Oh, gosh. Do you remember writing that? I Vaguely. It was a really long time ago. It was at least. Yes, I do have, I do have work on that. So my postdoc, so my current job, my current job, um, I'm a, I'm a professor at a med school. Okay. And so I do primarily research. I teach a little bit. I mostly teach health professionals. Mm -hmm. Um, So doctors, nurses, you know, physiotherapists, people who are in training to become health professionals. Um, And I do a little bit of continuing professional education too. So people who are already practicing. So we did do a study where my postdoc um, and I and another and a med student did video interviews with people with diabetes, type 1 and type 2, mm-hmm. and asked them a bunch of questions. And one of the questions we asked was, what could health professionals do better? What could they do to provide better care to people with diabetes? Yeah. And then we took all those video interviews and we stitched them together into sort of like a learning module. And then we tested it. We trialed it with, with med students. And it helped them respond to clinical scenarios of people with diabetes um, better. So, What's your opinion of when people have poor interactions with doctors, doctors that appear not to know how to help them? um, Why do you think that is? Why can I figure out more than a doctor can figure out? About management? About anything. About anything, yeah. Why do I go in and and say, hey, here are my symptoms? And they're like, take this. And then it, and then I go home and go, no, no, that turns out this is impacting that. And I don't need a medication for the second thing. I need the first thing to not happen. That's happening because of this. Here's how you stop it. And then I have to go back to them and explain it to them and then smile like a puppy and hope they write the, the, the right prescription for me. Why, Why does it work that way? Oh gosh. I mean, I think, so you're talking about your experience in the U S system, which is a different, a different system than other countries, but I do think that it is common for people to have 
negative experiences in healthcare systems. There are a lot of reasons it happens. Some of them are the fault of system level factors. So things like there is not enough time, right? right? So especially in primary care, those health professionals do not, are not paid enough to be able to pay their nurses and pay their staff and that sort of thing and run a clinic in a way that would allow them to spend the time with people to really get like, to really unpack what's happening with that person. Cause it takes time. Yeah. Here's my idea. Tell me if it's yeah. bad. I I've held this idea for a while. I've said it to a couple okay. of people using diabetes as an example. I think instead of you coming to a 15, 20 minute, 30 minutes, if you're lucky, um, appointment where you come in and then the first couple of minutes is spent with the doctor going, hello, while they're trying to like, look at the chart and remember who the hell you are, you, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, it's, how's it going? They don't care. They're just looking at what your last day one C was and what they talked about and the notes they made about you. And you're sitting there thinking that this is like a, one of your best friends in the whole world. And they're busy going like, Oh, I don't remember this person at all. And, and like that part ends. There's your first five minutes. Man, how's it going? And then you say the things you've been holding inside the whole time. They go, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, well, everything looks fine here. And and then and then that ends. And what scripts do you need? That's really why you're there. What do you need? Do you yeah. need insulin? Do you need insulin? Do you need test strips? Do you need a CGM? Tell me what you need. Where do I send it? Like, this is what it is. I think... We should, this is going to sound weird, as I'm just going to say, we should all just sign a HIPAA waiver, go into one room, spend the whole day, all of us. So if the doctor sees 20 people a day in eight hours, then there should be a six-hour symposium with those 20 people. Where They've done that. Why, why yeah. not more? Every time, oh, by the way, um, on, on Tuesday, he should do it with the next 20 people. And on Wednesday, yeah, yeah. that should no, be the no, whole no. thing. So you should, talk to, you should talk to the people at um, the Kerr unit at Mayo Clinic. Okay. Victor Montori, his group has done this. So one of my good, one of my best colleagues here, Annie LeBlanc, um, she worked with him for a long time. And she ran, she ran a trial of this in maternity care. It worked really well. They've done it in, in type 2 diabetes care. It worked really well. Not quite what you're talking about, but but pretty similar, right. right? So this idea of group-based care where you do go through and you do look at people's labs and that sort of thing. And then you and then people ask questions. And I think you're right because, you know, I, it happens all the time. Because you could- People ask questions that you didn't realize you had until someone else asks it. You could basically replicate the podcast and what it does for people in real life. Because then everyone would ask, somebody will ask a question, they'll get their right. answer- Five people who had the question didn't know they had the question still get the answer. Five people who had the question would never have been able to raise their hand because they're, for whatever reason, they get the answer. Somebody else asks, you keep going. There's people around the side of the room to do breakouts if you need somebody to talk to. It lasts all day. You get a lunch. It'd be beautiful. Is it because we can't bill for it? I don't know enough about how America. it works in the U.S. Yeah. to know why. Well, but billing problems would definitely be one of the issues. Mm -hmm. The issue around, I mean, I don't think it works for everyone, but I think you're right. I think yeah. it would work for a lot of people. Maybe not all day, but like half a day. A couple years ago, before, right before COVID, I was getting ready to go on like a, I must have spoken at nine things in like a calendar year. And yeah. um, I hadn't done it in a while. So I just let a listener find like a space near me. 
and I told people I'll be here to talk about diabetes on this day because basically I need practice giving my thing again and talking to people. And I think someone found a church. They like shook the space out of them for free. I showed up. No one murdered me. That was delightful. And, you know, there at the end, maybe 40, 50 people came to this. And I still know a number of them. Like they still listen to the podcast. And in, in like two hours, you can just like pick someone up and move them to a, do, a new place in their understanding. You know, I'm thinking about a woman who drove. I don't know if you know the, ge- the geography enough, but a woman who listens still, whose son is now an adult, but then three or four years ago was probably a high school student still. She drove from Long Island, like out on Long Island in New York, to a place in Pennsylvania that somebody found for me that I was close enough to that I could make it to and spent the night, like put like a whole thing into it, you know, and her, I just talked to her recently, her son's doing terrific, you know, like, so I just think that 20 minutes at a time when the first five minutes is like, and the last five minutes is like, tell me what scripts you need, hurry up. I don't think anything really happens. So... I mean, I don't see anybody really being helped. I see people being maintained. Yep. You know, I see people. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, I see people being lost. They get lost. And and because you really are left to go home and fill in the spaces on your own. And I mean, listen, I'm just going to say it plainly. Apparently, I don't know how to otherwise do that. I guess I could have niced this up somehow. I don't think some people are, are capable of filling in the gaps. Right. And even. Me, who you might be like, oh, he understands diabetes. Like, look at the, look at the opportunities I had. Like, like my wife, I was a stay-at-home father. I had time, right? Then I wrote a blog, so it was important for me to pay attention to diabetes. Then I made this podcast, so it's important for me to take these diabetes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm immersed in it constantly. Like, I used to say all the time, like, the podcast is more valuable for me than it is for you. But then I keep the podcast going and try to give it back to you again. But you all are really allowing me to stay immersed into it. I just think that's what people need. They need more time. They need more conversations. They need to hear other people. And you need to hear things said in a bunch of different ways so that one of them, like, flips your switch, you know? Yep. Anyway. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, so then I'm right. Pardon me? I said, then I'm right. Then why won't these people help me? Just no, do what I, do I said. No, I think you're right. And there are, there have been, I mean, there have been trials of that form of care that do show promise. I don't know enough about the funding model to understand why it isn't adopted more widely. I do know it's really, really hard to implement new things in healthcare. Yeah. Like just ridiculously difficult. There's a whole science. It's called implementation science. Mm. Like people have whole careers in how do you get people to do the right thing in healthcare, which is depressing as heck. Yeah. I'm going to pull something up. First of all, I, cause I want to talk to you about it, but you almost, yeah. you almost debuted just now. Thank you very much. You came, oh, did I you came very close to giving me a Canadian oh. about you're very close to it. I could switch into French if you prefer. I know people listening who would prefer that, but I, w- <laughs> I would not because I can only count to like nine after three years of French. So, so I will give you my husband's best best joke. Okay, because we've lived in Quebec for a while now. Um, why do Why do people in France only eat one egg for breakfast? Because one egg is enough. There you go. Thank you. That's well th- done. Three well years. Done. Three years in high school. Yeah, yeah. I ran a survey, fairly informal yeah. survey of people who listen to the podcast. I did it with um, 
with a, with a Hopkins student who was lovely and wanted to help the podcast somehow. So she helped me get it together. And when we first started doing it, and I'll brag here for a second, she said, how many people do you want to take the survey? And I said, I don't know, like 500. And she goes, you're not going to get 50. And I said, what? She goes, big institutions have a lot of trouble getting people to take surveys. And I was like, all right, well, I want 500. You could, you could do right? it. So I got 1,100 people to respond. And I could have kept going. I, I could have kept going, but I was like, at this point, it's actually just for my ego because we have enough data. <laughs> so we, we, we stopped. Um, I'm not going to go through everything with you, but... Has she written it up? Not yet. She, she, I would love to see that. That would be great. She had a parent pass away unexpectedly. So, oh, I'm um, sorry. Well, no, so um, we're, we're working towards it. Um, your level of education, you know, the background stuff, what's your connection to diabetes, um, huh. parent and caregiver. I have type one was almost 50-50. So for all the people who were like, your podcast is just for parents because you're the parent. Not true. I knew it I wasn't. I thought it was. Yeah, I knew it wasn't, but know. nobody listens to me. Uh, you know, everybody using CGMs uh, or pumps, you know, how are you doing it? Uh, is there a family history type one, type two? We go through those sorts of things. Do you have other autoimmune diseases? Overwhelmingly, thyroid, autoimmune thyroid, celiac, we're one and two. Um, others, eight, eight, 766 of the, the respondents had something other autoimmune that wasn't on the list of like 10 things that I gave them to list. Oh. I threw in bipolar disorder because of my, I know it's not technically autoimmune, but I, I don't know how many people have to tell me that they're bipolar and they have type one before I'm interested. 21, 21 people out of 1100 listed bipolar. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what was your your beginning A1C and your lowest A1C, right? Before you began listening to the podcast, you know, what was your highest? What was your lowest? Before you began listening to the podcast and just highest 10, lowest 7.2, highest 7.6, lowest 7.2, highest 13, lowest 8.9, highest 5.8, 5.3. It's all over the place, right? Like there's, there's no, there's nothing where you say, oh, only people in this scenario are listening to the podcast. How often do I get my HOA1C checked? Um, most people do it every three months. Um, only a handful of people don't track their HA or their HBA1C. After beginning to listen to the Juicebox podcast, how did your A1C change? 960 people improved. 175, same. Eight went up. And I just had somebody write to me and say, it's unfair. I put went up because it was the right answer, but I was honeymooning. And uh, yeah, yeah. so my, my A1's. But that's normal. Yeah. That's and I was like, that's besides. terrific. But, but she goes to tell me in the, in the message, she's like, the only reason my A1C is in the fives is because of the podcast, but it just went up because uh -huh. I was honeymooning prior. I was like, okay. And then everyone beginning to listen to the podcast. And now what was your A1C after three months after this thing? These numbers are insane. Seven to five and a half, six to five and a half goes on and on and on. Like it, it really That's is. Amazing. It's it's terrific. And I'm trying to. Have you trialed it? I don't know anything about what I'm doing. Do you've not gotten that from the podcast yet? <laughs> well, no, but I'm sure like you could run a little like if you had an academic, an academic partner like this student, right? What she, is she doing a master's or a PhD? I think she just finished her master's in public health. Is she going to do a PhD? I think she was thinking about it when I was talking to her. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, like a little pilot RCT mm -hmm. of randomized control trial of people who are, you know, 
randomly assigned to listen to like the pro tip series. Yeah. And then people who are randomly assigned, does the ADA have a podcast? You have to do something sort of semi-equivalent. I mean, there's nothing equivalent to this podcast. As, as Well, I know, but, yeah, but you yeah, have to I give don't... them something. Okay. Right. You can't just say podcast versus nothing. Okay. I understand. Right? You see, I, I, I take, think that'd be I do too. I, to I take that. your point. I'm trying to figure out everything. So what, what is my healthcare team? So everybody lists who they see for their healthcare. Yeah. And then you get into, I asked this question, what motivates people to make positive changes? Overwhelming either a health concern or a loved one, mm. right? Like 979, you could answer more than once. 979 health concerns for a loved one, 707. Everything else, so the podcast. Seven, Were they selecting from a from predetermined options there? They could choose healthcare, health concerns, loved ones, pregnancy, the podcast, other print or online materials, clinical education received from a medical professional, connection to diabetes community, other. 790 okay. of them listed the podcast. That is amazing. That's yeah. great. So I do think it's funny because I've heard you say this before about people doing, people making changes for someone else. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to plant the seed for you that it can people can do things for other people. And sometimes when someone else comes into your life, what it helps you realize is that you are worthy of care. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's sort of like, I hope they get you know, that out of the conversation. I just, I always ask it that way because yeah. I want them to realize that they were in a situation that was not optimal, yeah. that they could have fixed at any time on their own, but needed an exterior, like a, like an influence to make them go, Oh, I should take a better care of myself. I just think that's a very human thing. Yeah, yeah. I do. But I also think, well, I don't know. And I mean, obviously, we're all influenced by our own experience. But for me, like a big, a big thing has always been that, you know, like I've always tried my best, mm -hmm. but I didn't always know what I was doing. I went, you know, years, I went over a decade without having an, any diabetes professional. Yeah. 10 years. Right. right. And so right. knowing it, the belief that I am worthy of care is a really core important thing mm -hmm. um and not everyone gets that like not everyone not every child grows up feeling that way and so i think that that also influences how people live as adults with type one yeah i just made a note for myself i'll talk um to erica about that in an episode um yeah, yeah. the therapist i talked to yeah 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 um let's see I, there's one thing i wanted to one other thing i wanted to tell you out of that where do you learn how to operate your diabetes devices uh Average answer five point six. It's out of out of six. Five point oh seven from the podcast. Next closest three point five three from a medical professional. Yeah, yeah. Well, they don't they don't spend a lot of time on this stuff. Like I I always think I've always said this that I get the what from my health professionals, mm -hmm. but I get the how from the diabetes community. Yeah, but they don't tell you that. That's not the they don't at the end they don't go hey I didn't tell you nearly enough. You have to go find out the rest on your own. So I've definitely gotten that. And I've had some really good endos over the years. Mm -hmm. But the endos would never be the people to talk to you about your devices. That would be this, that would be the the nursing staff, the diabetes educators. Yeah. Yeah. No, I take right? that. Point. So yeah. if you don't have that kind of care. Right. Right. So yeah. when I've had that kind of care, when I've been going to a, you know, 
a shop that has the setup mm-hmm. to really support people with type one, then I get better care. Yeah. But at other times I haven't always had that. Uh, who addresses your psychological um, needs around diabetes management, the podcast overwhelmingly, you know, well, it's amazing to hear other people's stories. Yeah, it really is. I really didn't recognize that at the beginning. Oh yeah. I really thought this podcast was going to be me being like, listen, pre-bullets. Yes. Then Here's do what this. you do. Try to understand how pizza hits you and then understand how that's everything else. And, yeah, yeah. you know, like, and I didn't, it wasn't the people told me like, seriously, the people yeah. would come on. It was the first time that, um, an adult was going on and on about how valuable the podcast was for them. And I just was like, ah, oh, obviously the pro tip series just fixed them all up. And she said, no, I knew all that already. Yeah. And I was like, what? Well, well, I don't understand how the podcast helped. She goes, I don't really either. She's like, just hearing people talking about it every day made me want to do a better job. And I was like, oh. I think, so a couple of things. I think that hearing other people, at least for me, and I don't know if other people experience this, but I started listening to diabetes podcasts, including yours, when I was, you know, I'd been looping for a few years at that point. I'd lost a bunch of weight. So all my settings were off and I'd been sort of tweaking them, but they weren't quite right. Like, you know, when, you know, when your settings are like close, but not there and everything's just like, it's not smooth. Sure. Yeah. And I had it in and I'd started perimenopause. So like everything that used to be really predictable just went completely to insert expletive. Right. Right. And so I was having a hard time. Something that was helpful about listening to stories was just like, I'm not the only person who's working hard at this. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not the only person who is giving energy to this. And I resented it. Like, I didn't want to have to give energy to this. I have so many things that demand my energy. I didn't want to give energy to diabetes, but I knew I needed to. And hearing other people also giving energy to diabetes made me feel better. Yeah. I can't believe how much that's true, actually. Like, like, and it just, it certainly is, it's overwhelmingly true. Just absolutely, there's something about that. You saying you didn't want to give energy to it. You think that was a conscious feeling? Well, I was consciously aware of it. Yeah. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like I made a conscious decision that it, I, I just, I was, you know, I was so, t- I mean, you know, heading into perimenopause, you know, you know, like that time of life when, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, I am, I love my job and I love my students, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. No, I love I, my kids, but they're a lot of work mm-hmm. and diabetes, a lot of work. Yeah. And I only have so much time. Right. No, that, that's kind of what I was trying to illuminate is that I don't think that people, I don't think that they consciously say i'm not going to take good care of myself i i think they want to and then there are other things that seem more emergent and maybe it's partly because of time and effort and desire maybe it's because they grew up not feeling valuable and they don't think they're you know um deserving of the effort you know i don't know Anyway, I don't know how the other thing's going to work so well, but do you frequently listen to other diabetes podcasts? No, 1,071. <laughs> so Wow. <there. laughs> did, did, your, did your student explain selection bias to you? Yeah, I do understand that. Like, I know that this isn't a real thing, right? No, no, no. That's like, a real like, thing. What well, are you talking about? That's a real thing. Well. So you just, you have to, like, anytime you run a survey, right, what's really important with surveys is your sampling frame. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And how you get people to how you invite people to take the survey, who sees the invitation, who decides to participate, that sort of thing. So you can't claim that the survey population is representative of the larger population of people with type one. Right. Right. But it's not it's it's a real thing. My wife is, you know, she she delighted in telling me that she loves making me unhappy. I don't know why. I think it's because we've known each other a long time. And so I wasn't on sense. Your marriage sounds different. <laughs> I wasn't unaware of that. I also don't think she delights in making me unhappy. It just feels okay. that way. <laughs> you oh. know, do you ever point something out and you're like, shh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was teasing. But um, so I get that that people like voraciously clicked on the link because they love the podcast already. Oh, yeah. But I think the point I wanted to make out of that is if you listen to the podcast Apparently, this is how you feel if you've enjoyed it and it, it's and it struck you, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that if you randomly, if I randomly went out and grabbed a thousand people who had diabetes and gave them the podcast, that they'd all love it. I'm sure half of them would hate it. And, you know, some of them wouldn't like me or some of them wouldn't jive with how I talk. Like, I know that would all happen. Yeah. I don't know that that's important because when we're talking about this many people, right, even if it was one in 10, even if one in 10 people had this experience, then that makes this very, very valuable. Those other people, because you, you, what you want to think is, well, those other nine people will find something else that will help them. But that is not necessarily true. It's hopeful. And I hope that the online material helped them or they read a book and it helped them or, who, or another podcast, whatever. Right. But I don't know. Like, I just don't know. I don't know another place where you could grab 1,100 people who, like, if I put up a survey that said, hey, I want you to take a survey about your doctor, and it's got nothing to do with me, I don't think 1,100 of them would so overwhelmingly say, mm-hmm. yes, I found help from this doctor, and the rest. And and so I, I, I am completely aware of what you're saying. This was kind of more for me than anything else. I think y- you it's know? really beautiful. yeah. yeah. So thank you. No, well, because you've poured your heart and your life into making this. I just wanted to see, like, and because then the other thing was at the end, someone said, hey, can you put a place where we can, like, leave a message? And I almost think all these numbers, I don't know how important they are. I think you should read the messages. Oh. You know? Like, I, I'm sure I can't because I'm sure the ethics, can, the IRB yes. that approved it so, had particulars around who gets to see the data. But it sounds amazing. I'm just the one looking at it. Like nobody else is seeing yeah. it. But if you saw the feedback, yeah. like like people start in such a hole and then they go to a doctor and say, help me. I don't know. Like they're, unless I'm wrong, you shouldn't, that story should never end with, oh, and then I found a podcast and everything's okay now. That seems yeah. wrong to me. Maybe that isn't. Maybe that's how, maybe that's how this is going to work. Like, you know. Yeah, I don't know. In the future. People in healthcare settings are constrained, mm-hmm. right? In what they can say and what they can do. That isn't to say they couldn't do better. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I do think, I mean, so let me let me give you a compliment that, because I review a lot of papers and a lot of grants and a word that often sort of bothers me when academics use it is empowerment, Right. We are going to empower patients because very often, especially in grants, 
when I am reading this grant and they're saying we're going to empower patients, often what it means is we're going to figure out a way to make these patients do what we know they should do. Mm-hmm. That's often the underlying subtext of what they mean. And I think what you are doing is actual empowerment because you don't really care. You just want to help people. Yeah. The, you the, know, the person that Which helped I think me, it's really lovely. She said, really nice. well, thank you. You're very nice. The person who helped me, she's like, you know, like academia is not going to care about this. And I said, oh, did I give you the impression I, that I cared about that? <laughs> and, and she's like, what? I'm like, I don't care what the establishment thinks of it. Some people will. Yeah. Uh, and that that's lovely. But like overall, she's like, you know, she's like, they're, they're not, the questions aren't exactly asked correctly. Like in that, in that, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm like, it's not, I'm just trying to check to make sure I'm doing what I think I'm doing. That's all. Because it's gotten too big now. Like, yeah. you know, like when it was smaller, I could like talk to more people and I go, okay, you know, I see there's a group of people who feel this way. There's a group of people this. I could, I could kind of feel, I'm like, it's too big now. Like I don't. I need to make sure the ship is still going in the direction I think it's going in. And I can't, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to help everyone. I don't think that's possible. I'm trying to help the people who intersect well with the information. That's all. And, um, and look for ways to, I'll tell you what, people do not like, like, it's easy to say, I asked them about different series. The series that get the worst grades are, about how people eat and about the after dark stuff. But people also love the after dark stuff. So what they said in the survey and what I see in the downloads did not coincide. Well, I think that's part. I mean, I think what you're, what you're speaking to is that not everything that you put out is going to resonate with everyone. Sure. Yeah. Right. But there are, there are people who, who, with whom those different things may resonate. Mm -hmm. I think my favorite episode was in the How We Eat. It was like a vegan cat. Yes. It was so funny. Oh, thank you. Well, please. Why? Was that a How We Eat? I don't remember. It was a How We Eat. Yeah, yeah. How, yeah. We, how yeah, yeah. we Eat Vegan Cat. Yes. All, I it's... killed myself. La- I, I listened to it while I was running. I almost fell down. <laughs> well, thank you. That's, that's very nice. There's part of, here. I'll, I'll share this with you. Yeah. I don't think the people listening are the best arbiter of what they w- should hear. No, because... Because they don't, if they knew, they wouldn't need it. Does that make huh. sense? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a fair point. That's a yeah. fair point. Yeah, you don't. I do uh, think. I'm sorry. A, I was going to say, no, no, a no, person no. who knows what they need does it. They don't go looking for answers about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Does I mean, that it, make sense? does that mean no one should ever ask questions, though? No, it means that okay. it means that I'm in a unique position to know what will help you before you know what will help you. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, that's not empowerment, though. No, it's not. But it helps me. It helps me structure the podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear. And you. then after that, you. you do whatever you want with it, and that's where I say, like, go. Like, yeah. you're an adult. Do your thing. Like, you'll be okay. You can do this. Like, that's where all the empowerment comes into. But if I sh- if they needed to see my left hand and I showed them my right hand and empowered them, that wouldn't help them. So I'm like, here's the okay. stuff. Like, look at this stuff. I know you don't want to listen to. I know nobody wants to listen to the idea that the food they take in is very impactful on their health. Like that's not a thing. Like a lot of people don't want to know that they want. Really? I think that I think some people do. I think there's a large, a large section of people who are very in tune with what they eat. I also think there are a lot of people who are like, look, I got diabetes and I really want to eat a ho-ho and I need this to work out for me. And please don't tell me not to eat the ho-ho. 
Like I'm, I'm going to eat it. Like, so help yeah. me with this. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I know, but, and you do that. I do. Right? I, oh, do yeah. I don't know. I do. I don't know. Sorry. My, I, I just keep, so I had, um, I had my first colonoscopy last week. Mm-hmm. So my perspective on eating has completely, I did not know how much fiber made a difference in my life until I had to eat really low fiber for a week. Oh yeah. And then everything slowed down and was unpleasant. Well, so I, so I eat like a very healthy, high fiber, mm-hmm. um, mostly vegetarian diet. And my fiber went down by 74% and my insulin to carb ratio went up by 70%. Yeah. There's a, um, a strong correlation to, between people who eat very like vegan like that and yeah. not needing a ton of Vince. They, I, you can take in a lot of carbs and still have, yeah. have low variability and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay. Yeah. But I didn't, I, you know, I just, I, I knew intellectually that fiber is great. Mm-hmm. Fiber is good for you and it's good for blood sugar management, but I'd never seen it in my graphs until that, you know, yeah. I'm stuck eating white toast and eggs and all of a sudden I'm going all over the place. That's what so. they made you eat. <laughs> so here the deal is you have to eat low residue and like they gave you the list and I'm like, what? Like there's nothing on this that I actually eat. Mm-hmm. Oh, I so see. I probably could have done more. I could have, I was just, I was just like, okay, I'm going to eat toast and eggs and yogurt. And you, and you, and so you got like fat from the, from the yogurt more so yeah. than normal, you got the spike from the toast and it's, oh, yeah. it's not easy to deal with. No. And so what I meant was, is that I don't think people like to be hit in the face with the reality that, that less processed foods will lead to easier days yeah. with diabetes. I think that's the thing that I think that it's important to deal with this the way I talk about it, which is yeah. you're going to eat however you want to eat. That's not up to me. I think you need to just understand how insulin works with your diet. Like that to me is the best thing you can do. But then when I put out the how we eat episodes, I think people saw it as like, don't tell me how to eat. I get that. I was like, I'm not telling you how to eat. I'm telling you, this is how this lady eats. Like, and, yeah, yeah. and here's her story. Maybe you'll find something in it. I will say the title, like how we eat was a little weird. I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, how we, everybody eats, <laughs> right? This is how everybody eats. Like this person eats this way, this person eats that way. I think what it evokes is, and I, in the type one community, when you meet people who have, who are very much about how they eat, Mm -hmm. they're not always the most enjoyable people to talk to. (laughs) So that might be part of what's coming out there. Like the people who are just like, let me tell you about my eating style. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, I, somebody telling you about their eating style is like listening to a, like a, refo- a reformed, like alcoholic explain yeah. drinking to you. Yeah, You're yeah. just like, I, yeah. I don't, I don't, it's fine. There's some, yes. there is some zealotry out there. Yeah. It is not. And I, I'm really happy for people who have something that works for them. Mm-hmm. I just, you know. Oh, yeah. And I think sharing that information in a way that's like, hey, this really works for me is great. Mm-hmm. I worry sometimes about the, everyone should do this. Yeah, I've learned that the internet doesn't work the way people are scared the internet works. What do you mean? What do I mean? Okay. There's a there's a phrasing that people use. I've noticed online that, and they say that like, it's this thing that is definitely happening in the world because I saw it. I saw it like uh-huh. three times. It definitely is happening. It's like when somebody tells you this code for Dexcom CGMs is bad. 
it's it's a randomized code that gets put on. It's not like there's a box of CGM somewhere and they make it like this code number and all of them in there have the same. I don't know. They act the same way, but people think that way. So you see, um, well, it's a calibration. It's a, it's basically a, it. It's sort of like a fudge factor. Yeah, but but my point is, they get these four digit codes, right? So yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, so so somebody will come out and say, "I noticed that this number isn't good," and they'll literally they'll come to that conclusion because they have one that didn't last ten days and it had mm-hmm. that number on it. And online, they saw somebody else say that theirs didn't last that long, and it also had the same number. So see, it's the number. Or well, they they would be coming from the same batch, wouldn't they? No, I think they're randomized. I believe they're just ran- I think they're random. Why would they? Why would they have a random number? It's a, the, the, it's the, it's you get the code. To them. No, I'll talk to them. But it's the code that it's just the code oh, yeah. that connects the CGM to anyway. To, right, I used the bad example. Here's my next example. You're, I think you're trying to make the point that people draw lar- draw very generalized conclusions. Yes. From like minor interactions online, and they assume that everything is like that. Yeah. And it's not. So. I know a lot of people who eat low carb who aren't crazy. Yeah, yeah, me too. And just because the same 10 people are ringing a bell and lighting fires and telling you you have to eat low carb or you're killing yourself doesn't mean that everybody who eats low carb feels that way. But it feels like that when you're online that's happening. And Yeah, I think it can. It can. You know, it feels like, look, you know, every time I mention this, there's always an argument. And I always say, like, did you not notice you're always arguing with the same five people? Like, it's it's not like the whole world's against you. And every time you say it out loud, we learn that the whole world doesn't agree with you. It's these five people who just believe that they're using their online influence to say something that is very important to them, right? Like, they were struggling and they're not now, and it's because of this thing, and it turns into proselytizing. They're like, you have to do this because it worked for them. And yeah. it's not to say that it won't work for somebody else. It might. It's the veracity comes from they think it saved their life. Yeah. You, you know, and like, like, well, and it might have. And it very, and it very well might have, and there's nothing wrong with it. But you can't do what you just said. Like, you can't let the, the masses think. There's one way to do a thing because the first time you tell somebody, if you don't eat like this, you can't control your blood sugar. If that person's like, well, I can't eat like that, then they just give it away. Then they're like, yeah. well, then I guess I don't get to, I don't get to, I don't get to be healthy, you know, cause I'm not going to eat this way. And I think they give up and that is important. It's the one thing I don't allow on the Facebook group is you can't tell people how to eat on the Facebook group. If somebody comes on as like, look, I'm trying to bolus for a Slurpee at a pretzel at a 7-Eleven, if you know how to do that, tell them. And if you, it is your inclination to tell them not to eat it, you can't do that. Like, that doesn't help. They're eating yeah. it. It's too late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, they're, they're, now, if you can tell them how to bowl is for it, great. And if you can't, then shut up and leave. And so... I'd be very impressed at someone who can bowl is for a Slurpee and a pretzel. Dude, I hit... we When we were in uh, on a trip with our family just yeah. now, uh, we all went to a movie one night. And Arden's standing there, and she goes, I'm going to get that Mountain Dew Icy. And I was like, yeah. She goes, I am. I'm, I'm getting that. And I was like, okay. So the girl comes over, and she goes, do you want the – Arden's like, what sizes do they come in? And the girl's like, large and medium. And Arden's like, oh, okay, I'll get a large. Well, I don't know what world these – oh, my God. I, I mean, it was as big as my monitor. It was like like two people had to carry it. It was just, it was just <laughs> giant. 
is this giant thing. And yeah. I was like, can you bolus for that? And she's like, yeah, I think so. And I was like, okay. So That's she awesome. gave Good herself her. an insane amount of insulin and then went and basically, you're basically doing it. I don't know how to explain this. I do know how to explain this. It's, um, you know, when you have a high blood sugar and you put an insulin to push it down, right? Yeah. Okay. Or you have a low blood sugar. This is probably a better example. You have a low blood sugar and you put food in to push it up. So you create the possibility of the low with yeah, the bol- yeah. with the bolus, and then you feed it up yeah. with, with the yeah, Slurpee, yeah. right? Instead of trying to think about how do I conquer the Slurpee yeah. with insulin, I think about it as how do I conquer the insulin with the Slurpee. In that, okay. sp- and it, it, it's a it's a slight difference, but it's important, right? And yeah, yeah. so she just gave herself a, and and you ask like people would be like, well, how much? Like I don't know, a lot. Like, because how many carbs are in that? I have no idea. How are we going to find out? I have no idea. So you just give yourself a bunch of insulin and then you keep feeding the insulin. You wouldn't do that in your regular life, but to conquer this one thing. Once in a while. Yeah. 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 yeah this is how you do it. It's like holiday, holiday management. Right. Yeah. When you hear yeah. people say just like, put just, in extra insulin and I, then I'm going to, I'm going to jack up my basil a little bit today. Cause I'm going to be grazing all day. Like it's the same kind of idea. It's just finding a balance between the insulin and the food. It's interesting though, for old time, like those of us who are old, like, you know, I grew up in the, you eat these foods at this time. Right. Right. So it's an interesting transition. Also not for nothing, but for many of the people who tell me they grew up the way you do, they all have your body style. Like you're fit. Yeah. I'm, I'm right about that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, or Jenny talks about it. Jenny's fit. Yeah. Like she, she ate, yeah. she ate well. Diabetes, because of the technology of the time, including insulin, yeah. diabetes forced her to eat well. Yeah. And that's just how she eats now. And yeah. now we're in a situation where it's 2023 and, you know, nutrition's not the same as it was. And by the way, maybe it wouldn't have been the same for Jenny if she didn't have diabetes. I have no idea, right? Um, But it's not the way, it's just not the way it is anymore. Like there's so much processed food. People have so much access to food. There's so much snacking, like that kind of stuff because it's all available, available, available. My my stance is just what I said earlier. Like I don't know that it's right to eat ho-hos. Like probably you shouldn't. But in a world where you have diabetes and you're going to anyway, you should know how to do it without hurting yourself long term like blood sugar wise i'm not saying the ho-ho is still not hurting you which is another thing you have to say to people like just because you bolus for it well doesn't make it not a (laughs) ho-ho like like right like in addition to in addition to blood sugar you still have you know a cardiovascular system that you may want to think about yeah but and that is a problem like for diabetes is that and i try to bring it up as much as i can think to yeah. Just because you bolus for it without a spike and without getting low later doesn't make it a healthy decision. You just stopped it from being a bad diabetes issue. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And so anyway, there's a way to I get to say all that. I blend it all into the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Because if we just said it all at once, people would get pissed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so have you and Jenny ever done an exercise? More on exercise. I would love to hear that. We have an exercise pro tip. You did. I did not like it. Sorry. Yeah. You didn't like I it. love her and I love you. And I, I really like your podcast, but I... What, what was wrong with it? I don't know if that was the one, but I will tell you a story. I mm-hmm. was heading out on a run. So I, I run a lot um, and I was running, I was heading out on a long run. So I'd had food and I'd bolused for it mm-hmm. before I ate because I was about to run like 20, 25 kilometers. Yeah. 
it takes me about two hours and I'm listening to podcasts and one of, one of yours comes on. And I remember this, I was coming around the corner and I heard your voice in my ear say, I think you just shouldn't exercise with active insulin on board. And I said out loud, bleep you, Scott, how about I just don't live my life then? And some guy walking by was like, what, what? <laughs> I don't usually talk to podcasts while I'm running. Um, but no, I do think, I do think that it is easier. It's easier to exercise without active insulin on board. Right. But you, then you have to structure your whole life around when you're going to eat and when you're going to have insulin and that sort of thing. And it makes it very difficult to have an active life. Yes. So that's a, that's a painting with a broad brush statement. Like, cause you're, yeah, yeah. if you asked me how to do it, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say that to you. Cause you're a person who goes out and runs like some insane amount of distance, whatever you just said sounded horrible. I don't drive that far. And like, so what you just did, <laughs> you drove that, Hey, you just drove that far. I just trip. drove like 1500 miles round trip. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but my point That's is like 15 minutes in your car. Dude. <laughs> my, my, my point is, is that, is that most people, there's a spot where I'm no better than a doctor really who tells yeah. you like, here's the launching in place. You're going to have to figure out the rest of it yourself because but I don't Jenny, know everybody's level of exercise. But Jenny was like, like I knew who she was mm. before I heard your podcast. Cause she's known yeah. like she was on the board of, of when I don't remember the name of it, but it was like women athletes with type one. Right. Right. So she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. I would love to hear like an in-depth what she really thing with thinks. her about what she does. How does she manage her blood sugar around the activity that she does? What if she just jumps on and says, I just make sure I don't have any active insulin when I'm running. What if she well, said that? Would I'd she be, be like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> I, I, so I do think there are people who are like, I mean, I had, Chris Freeman on recently. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, He's like talking him. about like sucking down goo packs and like, yeah. you know, eating certain things beforehand and keeping his blood sugar higher while he's doing stuff, but not too high. So it doesn't impact how he is. Yeah. Like it, it depends on how much effort you want to put into it. No, that's true. Yeah. But I do think, I mean, I think one of the things I, and it's very, it's much more old school, right? But you can also use exercise to essentially beef up your insulin. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you've got a kid who's spiking after a meal, send them outside to play in the play in the yard for a while. You know, a lot some people get pissed about that when you say that. Oh, really? Yeah. I once watched How come? Uh, I don't know, because people sometimes can't are, tell them what to do. Uh, I was gonna say unstable. Uh but <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know. I just remember I remember a big like it depends on how the information's presented. Like I've had a yeah, person fair. on the podcast who would tell a story about like I had to run around the house 10 times to have a cookie like years yeah, yeah. ago, right? Or yeah, my, yeah. my mom would make me run up and down the steps five times and then I could have a snack. In context, people are like, that's great. But one guy one time gets online and says, hey, I bought my daughter this mini trampoline to help with her high blood sugars. And before I knew it, people were like, I don't know, like the woke mob got a hold of him. And it's just like you're forcing her to exercise it only takes one unstable person to say something to draw out four more unstable people to make it seem like the entire internet is full of unstable people. And then one guy who's sure. just like, I just wanted to tell you that there's a $20 trampoline at ToysRUs.com. Please leave me alone. <laughs> you know, like, like is, is, is caught in this thing. So I do know that some people have a sensitivity to that. Okay. And, and, and what I do try. Do you think it's different from the, you know, you shouldn't eat that? No, I think everybody's got a sensitivity to something. Yeah. It's not that I don't care about their sensitivities, but I don't, I'm just from the wrong generation. Like, yeah, yeah. like no, I'm I, not. I, I mean, 
you're about we're about the same age, I'm right? Fi- I'm 51. So yeah, yeah. Oh, same. Gender. There are plenty of things in the world that make me uncomfortable. It would yeah. never occur to me to ask someone not to do them <laughs> if they were like if it was their thing, you know. But there are plenty of people well, who do think, feel that way. I just wonder if everyone knows, right? Like yeah. you know that if you, you know, if you inject close to your big your big leg muscles and then you go for a walk right that yep. correction factor is going to hit you right i have somebody i just recorded with somebody who talked about the heel raises like you oh yeah yeah the right? soleus the soleus calf raises yeah, yeah and yeah. how that can help burn um blood sugar yeah, yeah. right and yeah. and that's cool like i'll put that I mean, on that, i saw that paper that made that paper made made the rounds of the sort of bro science right 100 and i'm not saying that it's like gonna make your blood sugar go from 300 to 150 or something like that but if you're sitting at your desk and you do that and it takes 20 points off your blood sugar like cool you know and well, there's a reason i'm on a bike yeah and if it doesn't do that for you cool like i don't care i'm like i'm the, the girl wanted to say it i'm like god say it like it's fine but i took a risk having her on because oh. she's going to be, it hasn't been out yet, but oh, no. she's a person who wears a CGM who doesn't have diabetes. Oh, so, wow. So she's going to come on. Look, there are some stuff she said that was yeah. like that kind of like, like I think, there's, I think there's a difference between bro science and ahead of the curve. Yeah, but yeah. We no, also, okay. but okay. we also always. I may be mischaracterized. Yeah, yeah, but we don't always know which is which at the time. But, but it, True, does, it doesn't hurt. Later. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to say them out loud. Like, I mean, she's talked about apple cider vinegar and how it. How, and she wasn't talking about type ones. She was yeah, talking yeah. about yeah, general yeah. health. And yeah, and yeah. I said, like, what am I going to like? A lo- a number of people who listen to this podcast said, "Hey, this girl's been really helpful to me." Okay. Well, Can great. you have her on the podcast? I'm like, yeah, sure. I don't know if what she said is right or wrong who cares like just like yeah yeah you know like so i will just tell you that when i was a teenager and we moved cities Mm -hmm. i did not get set up i did not so my mom did not set me up with any diabetes care but i was encouraged to repeat mantras about the sweetness of life so if your podcast goes down that road i'm gonna stop (laughs) that's where you'll go out well you know somebody asked me somebody asked me to do affirmations once like could you have short podcasts of just like daily affirmations for people and i was like i don't know maybe maybe not we'll see i decide what the podcast is here's what the podcast is it's how i learn to take care of diabetes do what you want with that i think type 1 diabetes is mainly timing and amount of insulin Yeah, that's basically what I think it is. I think well, that, it is. Yeah. It's just that's that can be really hard to sure. figure out. Unless you turn the whole thing into a bunch of t-shirt slogans that everybody can understand and remember when they need, which is what I feel like I've done. Yeah. And I also know that um yeah, the, the conversations are very important. Like in this survey, like you'd be surprised people like I thought people would be like, This is what I want to hear, or this is what I want to hear. I love it when two people just talk about diabetes, or I want management conversation. But I let them choose as many as they wanted. And what I learned is that overwhelmingly, they like both. Yeah. They, they don't have a preference. It's I, I, I really like the Ask Scott and Jenny ones. Do you? Yeah. yeah we do those. those. We have, trust me, we have questions piled up. Actually, it's so funny you said that. Yesterday, I said to my wife, I wonder if I could do like Ask Scott and Jenny's and put them behind uh, like a paywall. And so that, and then let them out after they're older because I'm looking for ways to create 
you know, some sort of, you know, more income. Like yeah. I'm trying to help Jenny too. Like I'd like to be able to pay Jenny, Jenny didn't make any money to come on the podcast at all. Yeah, like, like, so. Although she does, I mean, it, it doesn't, it must drive great interest in integrated diabetes. Yeah. She's the, probably the I most, imagine. she's probably the most popular person who does what she does in the world. But um, I, I think it takes six months to get in with Jenny at this point because of, because of the podcast. So it's well, good for her. But she doesn't own the business. She seems great. She's lovely. She seems great. And she doesn't own yeah. the business. So it's not like she's piling up money. She's just working harder. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I was thinking about that. But it's nice to hear. Did she get a finder's fee? Some sort of commission. I've mentioned that to her. <laughs> I, was, I was like, maybe you want to get a piece. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's between her and whoever she works for. I don't know. I don't know what we talked about. Always, but I, had a good I mean, time. it's always sad when something that was free become goes behind a paywall. But I do. I mean, I I totally understand. I like, wouldn't put the free. whole show behind it. Like literally, just like yeah. like bits and pieces that eventually would come out in the public anyway. Or maybe just I've also thought about paywalling, like cursing people. You have any idea how many people want me to curse on the podcast? That would be that would be smart. Yeah, I'd, I think that would be maybe just be one where show. nobody bleeps anything out. <laughs> And you hear my story about my mom and her dirty ass and I'm and all the words that I used while I was yelling at those people. <laughs> Maybe if you record that call with them, oh, people would pay to listen. Uh, I'll tell you what, like a car wreck, you'd look at it. <laughs> but I was like, my, after it was over, my brother's like, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, was I not okay? I have the very unenviable ability to be angry and make sense at the same time. How is that unenviable? That's great. Well, it's for me, it's great. For the people on the other end, it's bad. Oh, so gotcha. like imagine okay. I, unenviable is the wrong word. If you and I were in an argument and I was agitated, talking quicker than I usually do, yelling yeah. and making sense, how do you keep up with that? Oh, I could keep up. You could. A lot oh, of people, yeah. some people can't. And so like I, I try not to overwhelm situations because I know yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. Because I know I, I can. Yeah, I know I can. So I, I I'm joking. No. I might not be able to keep up. Oh, it's off put my also I have a deep voice. So just over the phone, yeah. I sound like a like you mentioned it earlier, like sometimes people listen to men over women. Oh yeah, yeah. For right. Sure. And so then you add a deep voice to it. I'm authoritative. I trust myself. So you don't hear a lot of I don't do a lot of things where I'm questioning what I just said. Yeah. I don't use language that puts you in a better position than I'm in when I'm in having yeah. a conversation like that. My, and that's why when my wife's like, you have to let them feel. And I'm like, mm, can't we just point out that they suck? <laughs> and move Could on. Could you have like them? a practice? Could you have a practice meeting? We did it in the car. Get all, your, get all your emotions out. We did it in the car yesterday. My brother, okay, my brother called. I was in the car with Kelly. We were driving home from the vacation and for like 45 minutes, they were like, you can't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. And I was like. No, no, no. I mean like an actual practice where they let you say it all. And then you debrief. Oh, I said it all. And then they debriefed me in the car. <laughs> so it's okay. Anyway, I, what I decided is I'm just going to treat this situation like it's a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Where I wouldn't like purposefully insult somebody. You know what I mean? No. Although sometimes I, I say some stuff on there sometimes where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> but not often. I, has anyone ever been offended or upset about it? Right? No. Like you know, there's a dynamic when you're just joking with people. Yeah. You know, they feel it. And it's not, I think people like that. Right. I like that. I, we're going to be done in a minute. And the first thing I'm going to ask you when we're done is, is are you okay with everything we talked about? Yeah. You know, and if you were to say to me, like, 
I don't, I hated this. Like, don't ever let anybody hear it. I'd be like, all right. I mean, it sucks for me. But I, one time, one time, I can tell you afterwards, because but one time an, a conversation took such a strange turn that it wasn't a fault of any. It wasn't. Anyway, I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And it just that we both got done and we were like, we shouldn't let anybody listen to that. And I was like, yeah, I agree. And that was the end of it. So, um, so it got deleted. Is there anything we didn't talk about that we should have? I don't know. Yeah. What standard did we talk deviation. about? Yeah. What about? No one it? on your podcast has ever explained standard deviation really well. Even the guy from Dexcom. So he knows what he's talking about, but he's not great at explaining. He was a a nerd, like a diabetes. He nerd is a nerd. Sure. I mean, as a nerd, I respect what he was trying to do there. Mm-hmm. All right. Find somebody who can more colloquially describe standard deviation. Yeah, no, I'm being very nitpicky. Here. I know you are. I was, my podcast I was is amazing. I'm amazed that you came Pardon up me? with something. I said my podcast is amazing. I'm amazed you came up with something. <laughs> it is. No, it's, I really appreciate it. And I don't, you know, I was saying how I found it when I was struggling. You know what? I, I started with pro tips. Yeah. And it was not, it wasn't the content because it wasn't that I didn't know that stuff. It was that I was exhausted and I needed, and I really appreciated the structure of it. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. I have to do some stuff. I have to work on my set. Okay, basil. All right. This week I'm going to focus on basil. Right. You know, and it was just really helpful. So thank you. Well, I'm glad. I, I'll tell you, I was with Arden for like eight days this week, right? Yeah. And about two days before it was done, we were at, um, at a restaurant. I said, I think I wanted to, I said, I think you know this, but you're doing a very good job with your diabetes stuff at college. And she's like, uh, she didn't really say much. And I said, you do just an exceptionally good job. And I know how difficult it must be. Um, but but I just want to tell you how great you're doing it. And she said, thank you. And I said, uh, I need... I, Is she a crier? No. Arden wouldn't cry if you I were stabbing her. <laughs> so, um, okay. And by the way, that's not an invitation for someone to stab my kid, please. <laughs> so like, <laughs> Don't and, uh, stab anyone. Yeah, no one no stab stabbing. anybody, please. So then I said, you hear me, right? And she goes, yeah. I said, I'm really... It's exceptional what you're doing. And she's like, okay. I said, having said that, there are two things you're not doing that I need you to do. <laughs> and I said, you are not pre-bolusing well enough. And she goes, I know I'm trying. And I said, I know you are. Try harder. And and she's and I and she's like, what else am I not doing? And I said, you're not correcting highs quickly enough. And she's like, I get busy with work. And I said, I know. Just is she still looping? Isn't she, wasn't she looping? Yeah, she is. But. She's okay. eating at a college and the food's terrible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then she's not pre-bolusing enough. And like in yeah. time, distance on her pre bolus yeah, yeah. She's not afraid of insulin. Like, so um, yeah. like she just doesn't have a long enough pre-bolus and she's seeing a spike and then she's letting yeah. the loop handle it, which is cool because it ends up yeah. okay. But I'm like, don't do that. Like, Yeah, she, it's not as fast as yeah. if you do it. Yourself. She's had a, a small rise in her A1C. But yeah. I mean to say that it's I think it's like six two or six four or something like that at co- For a college kid. Yeah, it's amazing. That's she's amazing. Doing, she's doing terrific. Um, but I'm like, you, we could get back in the fives if you just did these two things. Yeah. And and she and I said, long term health. You know, I'm not pushing her about it. Like I'm getting too slow. But I'm like, it's important for your long term health. And I said, also, you're sitting down trying to do something for three hours at school, and your blood sugar is 180 or 200 for an hour and a half. Like, that's not valuable for you. It's making it more difficult for you. So, does it for her? I find I focus better when I'm higher. Do you really? 
Yeah, she gets more like... I get hyper-focused. Really? Like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to write this paper and it's going to get done. It's like you're it's Adderall is a high blood. We sh- Maybe, that's not I don't some- know. See, now you earlier said we shouldn't say things that people could misconstrue. <laughs> now what? We're, now we're like, leave your blood sugar high to get a nice Adderall effect. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm very honest about, you yeah, know, like I don't see any. And I do think it's important for parents to understand that, you know, some, no one ever asked me. Right. How do you feel when you're high? Yeah. Right. No. And had they asked, I would have said, "I feel really good and relaxed and not scared." Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I think my bigger concern with her being higher in the evenings while she's doing work isn't. Yeah. It's not the blood sugar as much. Is it's that when it's over and she's refocused on her diabetes, she makes a bolus, then she goes to sleep. Oh yeah. yeah. And so That's- it cre- it creates like a time at three in the morning where you're not sure. Like if somebody yeah. should be paying attention or not. So like I'm more about like don't get high so you don't get low. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway. and I say, I think, like to you and to other parents, it's really beautiful what you do for your kids. Oh. What else are you gonna like, do? Oh, I no, guess- that <laughs> level of support yeah. is and I think as an adult who didn't always get that as a kid, I see how beautiful it is. And I don't know if the kids will ever be able to see it. Because they'll always have had that, and they will—they won't know any different. Yeah. But as an adult who didn't get that as a kid, that is beautiful. No. That level of support. That's very nice of you to say. And I forgot your perspective, which was from a woman who smoked in front of your sister with a with. <laughs> but no, it's very nice. I listen. Maybe one day, I don't know. I'm going to make so many podcasts. I used to think my kids will listen to this after I'm dead, and now I'm like, I bet you my kids look at that and go, I can't take him for that long. <laughs> so. That's kind of amazing, though. I mean, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's my, uh, it's like a little time capsule I kept for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. All right. I'm going to go yell. I mean, I'm going to go listen to some people tell me how they tried to kill my mom again, and I'm going to refrain from mentioning that part of it out loud. Good luck. Thank you very much. Hold on one second. I will tell you that story. All right. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G V O K E G L U C A G O N dot com forward slash juice box. I also want to thank AG1 and remind you to drink AG1.com slash juice box. Get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs when you use my link for your first order. I also want to thank Holly for coming on the show and giving me such a great conversation. Don't forget the Juice Box Podcast private Facebook group and those diabetes pro tips that begin at episode 1000. A diabetes diagnosis comes with a lot of new terminology, and that's why I've created the Defining Diabetes series. These are short episodes where Jenny Smith and I go over all of the terms that you're going to hear living with diabetes, and some of them that you might not hear every day. From the very simple bolus up to feet on the floor. Don't know the difference between hypo and hyper? We'll explain it to you. These are short episodes. They are not boring. They're fun. And they're informative. It's not just us reading to you out of the dictionary. We take the time to chat about all of these different words. Maybe you don't know what a small respiration is. You will when you're done. Ever heard of a glycemic index and load? Haven't? Doesn't matter. You'll know after you listen to the Defining Diabetes series. Now, 
How do you find it? You go to juiceboxpodcast.com up top to the menu and click on Defining Diabetes. You'll be able to listen right there in your browser, or you'll see the full list of the episodes and be able to go into an audio app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to them at your pace. Download them into your phone and listen when you can. The Defining Diabetes series is made up of 51 short episodes that will fast forward your knowledge of diabetes terminology.